Welcome to our podcast, Carefully Examining the Text. In today's podcast, we want to examine Psalm 94. Psalm 94 addresses God as a God of vengeance. Now, you notice that in most of your English translations, if not all, that there is no title to this psalm because there is no title in the Hebrew Bible. However, the Greek translation of the Old Testament has the title, A Psalm of David for the Fourth Day of the Week. But Psalm 94 addresses God as a God of vengeance, and verses 1 through 7 call on God to take vengeance on the wicked. O Lord, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth, render recompense to the proud. How long shall the wicked, O Lord, how long shall the wicked exalt? They pour forth words, they speak arrogantly. All who do wickedness do vault themselves. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the orphan. They have said, The Lord does not see, nor does the God of Jacob pay heed. Now, this is the only time in the Bible that God is specifically addressed as the God of vengeance. Now, the Bible does say, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, thus says the Lord. That appears first in Deuteronomy 32, verse 35, and it's quoted twice in the New Testament, in Romans 12, verse 19, and in Hebrews 10 and verse 30. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament speak of God as a God of vengeance. Now, I know at first thought that may sound difficult for some people to hear. But listen, think about it. It isn't really. For we are all outraged by something. And we all want others to share our outrage at some things we believe are absolutely wrong. And so should we be offended at a God who is outraged by wrong? Let's look and see through this psalm, and particularly through these first seven verses, what does outrage God. God, this God of vengeance, who's called to shine forth, God who is judge of all the earth. Now, the psalms between Psalm 93 and 95 through 99 will all emphasize that, that God is king or that God rules. All of them use that phrase. You don't find that phrase, God is king, specifically in Psalm 94, but you do see God appealed to as judge, judge of all the earth here in 94 verse 2. And one of the responsibilities of a king was that he was the highest judge in the land. 
That's why Solomon hears that court case, for example, in 1 Kings 3, verses 16 through 28, because as king, he was highest judge in the land. So this fits perfectly with Psalms 93 through 99, which all stress that God is king. But it's calling on God as judge of the earth to rise up and judge wickedness. Verse 3, climactic parallelism. How long will the wicked, O Lord, how long will the wicked exult? And the Bible describes them as pouring out words, as speaking arrogantly, as doing wickedness, and vaulting themselves what is it that they do that arouses God's anger? Well, in verse 5, they crush your people and afflict your heritage. And they prey upon those who are weakest. In verse 6, they slay the widow and the stranger and the orphans. Now, often these groups are singled out as objects of God's compassion. In Exodus 22, in verses 21 through 27, God warns those who mistreat widows that their wives will be widows, and those who mistreat orphans that their children will be orphans. But here, these wicked people who crush God's people and afflict God's heritage, they slay the widow and the stranger and the orphan. And all the time in verse 7, they are acting as if they're not accountable to God. Verse 7 says, the Lord does not see, nor does the God of Jacob pay heed. The Lord does not see. They are thinking that God will never call them to account for the wrongs that they are doing. In the language of Luke 18, verses 1 through 7, those that this writer is asking God to judge are ones who do not fear God and do not regard man. They mistreat the weakest and most helpless all the time, defying God, saying he doesn't see and he won't pay heed. Should God be angry at that? Is there a place for a God of vengeance? When you hear some of the most horrific cases of child abuse described, when you hear how people have abused and misused children who are unable to defend themselves, doesn't that arouse your anger? And don't you want a God who is angry at evil and wrong? All of us understand there are things that outrage us and things that we expect to outrage others. But we get this sense from a God who is outraged by evil, a God who will ultimately rise up and judge wickedness. But verses 8 through 11 are an appeal to those who have been blind to open up their eyes and see. The last word in the New American Standard in Psalm 90, 
4 verse 7 was pay heed. And the first words of verse 8 are pay heed. And this demonstrates the same Hebrew word is used at the end of verse 7, at the beginning of verse 8, where God is taking the language that they have used to try to mock him to mock them. God is using their language against them. Pay heed, you senseless among the people. And the word senseless was used earlier in the book of Psalms in ninety in Psalm 49, verse 10. In Psalm 92, in verse 6, you see that. Pay heed, you senseless among the people. When will you understand, stupid ones? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? And he who formed the eye, does he not see? Proverbs 20, verse 12, has these words, The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made both of them. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made both of them. The fact that we have people who see and people who hear, doesn't this point us to a God who can see the secrets of men and hear the plotting of men. And God is mocking these who recognize that he is creator and who think they can hide their ways from him. In, in verse 10 of Psalm 94, he who chastens the nations, will he not rebuke? And he who teaches man knowledge, the Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are mere breath. That word can be translated, breath can be translated vanity. It is the word used repeatedly in the book of Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. So verses 8 through 11 are a rebuke at those senseless and blind who think they can hide their ways from God, that they can get away with their evil before him. In verse 12 through 15, God addresses those who are righteous, who are suffering wrongly at the hands of the wicked. Listen to the words. Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord, whom you teach out of your law, that you may grant him relief from the days of adversity until a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not abandon his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance. For judgment will again be righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Blessed is the man whom you chasten, Deuteronomy 8 verse 5 tells us that God chastened Israel as a man did his son. Proverbs 3 verses 11 and 12 tell us every son the Lord loves, he chastens. You find that quoted in Hebrews 12 verses 5 and 6. Job 5 verse 17 has a line very similar to Psalm 94 in verse 12. Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord. Could it be, could it be that the same wicked that the evil inflicts trying to crush God's people can be a chastening from him? 
to teach us to listen to God? Where would we be in our lives without suffering and pain? Hasn't that at some point kept you in the right path? I know it has me. Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord, whom you teach out of your law, that you may grant him relief from days of adversity. One day there will be relief from the hand of God for pain and suffering. And the Bible says, until a pit is dug for the wicked. This particular Hebrew word for pit is often used interchangeably with death. For example, in Job 14, verse, Job 17, verse 14, you see that idea. But here, a pit is dug for the wicked. But while a pit is dug for the wicked, in verse 13, a contrast in verse 14, the Lord will not abandon his people nor forsake his heritage. The Lord will not leave us nor forsake us. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6. In Joshua 1 and verse 5. The Lord will not leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6. The wicked, a pit is dug for him. The righteous will not be abandoned nor forsaken. In verse 15, for judgment will again be righteous and all the upright in heart will follow it. So verses 12 through 15, a warning for those who are being chastened that they might be conformed to God's image by the process, knowing that God will not ultimately abandon them. I think beginning in verse 16, the writer is relating a personal experience where he stood for God and he stood alone. But when he stood alone, the Lord sustained him. He was not completely alone. In verse 16, who will stand up for me against evildoers? Who will take his stand for me against those who do wickedness? Who will stand with the psalmist as he stands against wrong, as he stands against these powerful forces who crush and oppress God's people, who mistreat the orphan and the widow and the stranger? Who will stand with him? Apparently, he found when he stood for God, often that means standing alone. Paul found that out in 2 Timothy 4, verses 16 through 18. At my first defense, no one stood by me. No man stood by Paul, but he said, the Lord stood by me. And you see the same thing in Psalm 94. In Psalm 94, in verse 17, If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would have dwelt in the abode of silence. Over and over in the Psalms, God is said to be our help. Psalm 22, 19, Psalm 27, 9, etc., etc. And if that had not been the case, then I would have dwelt in silence. 
The only other time that this word for silence found in 94.17 is used in the Psalms or in the Old Testament is in Psalm 115 verse 17 where there it speaks of the silence of death. The point, if it had not been the Lord who sustained the psalmist and who held him up, then he would have been plunged into death. In verse 18, if I say my foot had slipped, and we saw language similar to that in Psalm 73, verse 2, as the writer said, his foot had almost slipped. He'd almost lost his faith. And he said, if I said my foot has slipped, God's loving kindness held him up. Verse 18. The Lord sustained him. The Lord had been his help in verse 17. In verse 18, the loving kindness of the Lord held him up. In verse 19, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. It's God's consolations, God's comforts that sustain him. Can a throne, verse 20, of destruction be allied with you, one which devises mischief by decree? Verse 21, they band themselves together against the righteous. They condemn the innocent. But the Lord has been my stronghold, and my God the rock of my refuge. He has brought back their wickedness upon them. He will destroy their evil, the Lord our God will destroy them. The word allied in verse 20 is used of political alliances. For example, in the book of Daniel, you see it used that way. In Daniel 11, verse 6, Daniel 11, verse 23, it's sometimes used of alliances that should not have been. For example, the righteous Jehoshaphat entered into an alliance with the wicked Ahab. And that's mentioned in Second Chronicles 20, verse 35, 36, and 37. All use this same word for allied that's used in Second Chronicles, Psalm 94, 20. God is not going to ally with evil people. And he's not going to ally with those who have a throne of destruction. And you see a description of them in verse 21. They band themselves together against the righteous. They condemn the innocent. Aren't we glad God is outraged by that? But God will bring their wickedness back upon them. And the Lord, who is our stronghold in verse 22, who is our rock of refuge, will help us and will deliver us. One writer says, for those who are convinced that preaching should refrain from any mention of judgment or vengeance, for those, Psalm 94 is a reminder that this is not possible. In a world of oppression and evil, to preach judgment and vengeance Vengeance of God is to profess our hope in the conviction that God rules the world and he will ultimately 
do right. As Genesis 18 verse 25 asks, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? But where is Jesus in this psalm? Do you know that the words of verse 5, of Psalm 94 verse 5, they crush your people. That word crush is used in Isaiah 53 verse 5 to speak of the Messiah, the Christ, the servant, who would be crushed for our iniquities. It's also used in Isaiah 53 verse 10. It pleased the Lord to crush him. So Psalm 94, 5, they crush your people, they afflict your heritage. This word afflict, this verb afflict used here is also used in Isaiah 53, verse 4 and verse 7 of the servant, the Messiah. Jesus experienced the worst treatment that his people experienced. Jesus was crushed, Jesus was afflicted, and a term used in verse 6 in the Greek translation where they slay and they murder the orphans, one of those verbs is used in the Septuagint, that's used in the Septuagint, is used of Jesus speaking of his approaching death in Matthew 26 and verse 21. You see, Jesus experienced all the worst that evil rulers had ever done to God's people. You see, Jesus in Psalm 94, 21, they banned themselves together against the life of the righteous and condemned the life of the innocent. If you read words like verses 5 and 6, in verse 21 of Psalm 94, and you feel you're on the wrong end of that. You are the righteous and innocent condemned to death. You are the one who's God's people and God's heritage who's crushed and afflicted. Know that Jesus experienced those things too. That Jesus truly identifies with us in the midst of our suffering. If you've ever stood for God and had all your friends forsake you so that you stood utterly alone like Psalm 94, 16 speaks of, know that Jesus was deserted by all his disciples and he stood alone in his trial. Oh, Jesus knows that feeling. And Jesus has overcome them, been triumphant over them via death and via resurrection. And Jesus knows the thoughts of men. As verse 11 tells us, the Lord knows the thoughts of men, that they are mere breath. Jesus is pictured as knowing men's thoughts in Matthew 9, 4, in John 2 verses 24 and 25. And just as God is a God of vengeance, Jesus will come bringing vengeance 
on them who know not God and obey not the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 1 in verse 8. And Jesus is judge. The fathers committed all judgment to him. John 5 verse 22 and verse 30. John 5 verse 30. In other words, this Jesus who was rejected, against whom they bound together and condemned to death, though he was innocent, has been raised by God and is victorious. And he will ultimately give victory to all who put their full confidence in him, who trust and obey him. Thank you for listening.